Hey there, welcome to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. We're on episode 20. I did not imagine in a million years that I could commit to doing something 20 times. <laughs> no, and, and, we're, and we're on our way to 100, at least. That's what I decided after episode 10. I want to start off by sharing a really nice note I got from Duke Shepard out of the band Pint and a Half. They're a Salida-based Americana folk roots group. Hi, Andy. Just wanted to say how much I'm enjoying your podcast. Tammy and I spend a lot of time in the van, driving to gigs, and listening to podcasts. Yours is top quality, right up there with, and better than most, big ones. Wow, thank you. Really enjoyed the Celeste DiOrio and Portia Sabin interviews. We are transitioning into this being our full-time job, and every bit of info like that is helpful. Trying to do everything from booking to marketing to writing, recording, it's daunting. So any advice we get to listen to is taken to here. Anyway, thanks. Well, that's really nice. That, that, that makes my day. That makes my entire week. Thank you so much for sending that. And again, that's Duke Shepard out of the band Pint and a Half. They're on Spotify. Go check them out. Give them a like, connect, all that good stuff. They're out on the road this summer. Okay, so we're 20 episodes in. And I've been looking back at some of the episodes, and I, I, maybe I'm sort of taking two angles here, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's not, but I was, I was looking back at the episodes. Some of them are maybe more human interest pieces where you're shooting the shit with an artist for an hour, and some of them seem to be more uh, advice for musicians where I'm sitting down talking with somebody who's really great at a particular skill in the music industry, and the before mentioned Celeste Orio and Portia Saban podcasts are two great ones for that if you're an independent artist. Also, the episode with Chris K is one to go back and listen to. So I'm sort of looking at these 20 episodes. How do I want to go forward? Who do I want to get on the podcast? What sort of angles do I want to take? So I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook, Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W, and drop me a message there. Or you can shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar.com. If you have any suggestions of people I should have on the podcast, topics that I should try to address, and, and I can find somebody who can maybe address that topic, I would love to hear from you. So... There's that. It's out there. Shoot me an email. Before we get into our guest today, one other thing I want to mention is that my Instagram account got hacked, and it's gone forever. It, and it, I guess it's not that big of a deal, but it, it really pissed me off. I had, I had My high school students said I had a great following-to-follower ratio. It was following 400, had 1,200 followers, over 600 posts. I'd had the account for seven years. I know, not huge numbers, I'm no influencer, but I, I've worked very hard as an independent musician to build up all my social medias, and Instagram was one that I've always really focused on, and I woke up one day and tried to check my account, and I was locked out. The user, everything was still there, all the pictures, all the followers, everything, but my name had been changed, and I'd been locked out. So I went to customer support, and I found out Instagram doesn't really have any. They tell you to send a picture of yourself or something claiming that the account is yours, but I never got that email, and I've heard a lot of similar stories from other artists. And it seems like you're just sort of hosed. Uh, after about two weeks, my account was just taken down eventually. So somebody hacked my account, didn't do anything with it. It was just, it was just to wreak havoc on people. 
and then and then it got deleted. So six years of, or however long it's been, seven years of of hard work, presenting myself online to try to get gigs, is gone, and it was, it's sort of a bummer. And I know it's not everything. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with how many fans you have or how many people come to your shows. But the Instagram account was important to me as a way to promote myself, a way to look professional when booking gigs for myself, and a way to connect with people that I met out on the road that now I can't connect with anymore. So I'm kind of... I started a new one finally at Andy Sido Band about a week ago, and, and I decided I'm just starting from scratch, and I'm going to do it bigger and better than the last one, and screw it. But sort of a bummer, and, and wondering if anybody else has had experiences such as these. And I was disappointed, too, that Instagram doesn't really have customer support. I tried and tried and tried and finally got a hold of somebody with Facebook customer support saying that I was a, a business and needed to chat with somebody. And then I, I said, look, this is actually about Instagram. Can you help me out? And the guy said no, and, and I said, but wait, and he hung up, and that was it. Kind of kind of disappointing. I was kind of bummed out that this huge, huge company doesn't doesn't really do customer support, or maybe just not for the little guy, which is kind of a bummer. Um, I'd love. I'm I'm now on the search to talk to somebody from Instagram or Facebook, uh, who who deals with, you know, I don't know, works with the company. I'd I'd love to chat with somebody. Uh, now that this experience has happened, my advice to musicians or anybody who's promoting themselves on a social media outlet, definitely do the double security. I, I didn't have that. It's where you, you know, they you have a password and then they scan your eyeball and do a bunch of other shit so nobody else can hack your account. Cool. Anyway, let's get into the episode. My guest today, very special guest, is Kevin McHugh. He plays with the band Grant Farm. They just left for tour this morning. They're heading out to the Midwest. They have a new album coming out, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, on June, what I think the street date is June 14th, and they have a CD release at the Fox Theater on May 31st, and at Globe Hall in Denver with my band, Andy Sido Band, on June 8th. Kevin also has had weekly gigs that he's kept for years on end and has played many, 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 many times at Howl at the Moon, which is a dueling piano bar in downtown Denver. We had a great chat. We've been roommates for six years. I've rented out a room from him for six years. So this was, he just came downstairs and sat down and, and we poured a couple drinks and, and chatted for a while. I think it's a really great episode and long overdue to have my buddy Kevin on, and I'm glad that he's the 20th episode. Without further ado, here's my interview with Kevin McHugh. That's a nice song there. Cabin. I should talk on it up here. Yeah. Say say the say Cabin? It. Yeah. Cabin? That's nice. Cabin. Cabin? Cabin? Cabin. Do you notice how the telefunken reduces the uh, proximity effect? Yes. That Ca you'll get on the fifty eight. All the listeners should know that I'm speaking into an SM fifty eight and Kevin is speaking into a telefunken with a, a wood shaft. <laughs> it's a cherry. A cherry Cher cherry wood. That's cherry right. wood shaft. With the fancy chrome uh, whatever you call that thing. Yeah. Uh, but but the thing you should know about the fifty eight you're talking into is that I bought it s eighteen years ago and it and it's still kicking. 
and it's been commandeered by me because I've lost all my other 58s, I think. Mm. Um, Kevin, I, I think you're, you've set the record for the closest interview I've ever done. You're sitting, we're very, yeah, we're in my bedroom. We're back in my bedroom. I had a few episodes away from the bedroom on the road, and now we're back in my bedroom, and it's very convenient because it's actually your bedroom. This is your house. That's that right. I've been, I've been renting out a room from you for six years now. Don't forget it. Yeah, I, t- I know. I, I, I own this room. I can see you're looking at the failed uh, attempts at hanging <laughs> guitars on the wall. And those are some nice drywall anchors, dude. How'd those go for you? Yeah, I, I <laughs> forgot you haven't been in here in a little while. I hope I don't get my rent raised. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, well, thanks for thanks for coming on. And and I haven't I I just saw you. You've been you've been I was gone for a week, and then and you were gone. You were gone before that too, huh? Where have you been? Welcome home. Dude, I don't know what day is it. It's it's Monday. <laughs> Where are we, man? It's uh, April twenty. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we just got home last night. We were out uh, Montana, Idaho, Washington. Nope, we didn't do Washington, Oregon, California. We were in three of those states. We were pretty close to each other, I think. Did we get within a, a couple? We got within like a hundred miles at some point, didn't we? And we never, we just never touched. Yeah, I mean, we did Big Sky and we did Whitefish. Mm. Where were we? Where were you guys? You were in Montana, weren't you? Uh, we drove through it. Ah. We did Salt Lake and then uh, several parts of Idaho. And then we did that awful drive home from Moscow. Yeah. Well, we drove from Sacramento yesterday. Oh, my Oh my word. <laughs> you did? Yeah. How many hours well, was actually, that? Well, actually, we, we left Sacramento and we stayed in North Tahoe. Was, so that knocked like an hour and a half off of it. But we did at least like 15 hours yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Sean, Ace, and I, because teeth flew to San Diego. See, that's what I want to start doing is flying home at the end of the tour and having <laughs> my bandmates drive. Yeah, I did do that once. Well, but, but your face had gotten bitten off. Well, okay, twice. <laughs> we should talk but, about yeah, that. Yeah, that time wasn't so great. But Yeah, yeah, we should we should talk about that. What uh, Before we go back, let's talk about you getting your face bitten off. By the way, you look let's great. jump right into it, huh? Yeah, let's jump oh, right well, into thank it. thank you. Uh, Tell the story. It's healing up nicely, man. Yeah. Um, that was, when was that? A year ago? It was a year ago in November. It's a year and a half, mm. give or take. Um, yeah, so we're out on the road. We're in Santa Cruz, which is where Adrian, our bass player, is from. The Grant Farm is out on the roads. The Grant road. Farm is out, yeah, that's right, for all the listeners here. Big Ace on the big bass, we're staying at his place. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't, I was going to. <laughs> that just hit me right across the face. Yeah. <laughs> and mold some clay down by the bay. I just may. What do you say? Um, You're winning. Yeah. All right, off to a good start. So, so his um, Ace's brother lived next door to his dad. We went over that morning to use the hot tub. 11 a.m., give or take. And his brother has this big old dog, Nikita. And I, as you know, am a dog person and a very stubborn dog person mm-hmm. where if the dog doesn't like me, I am determined to make it like me. Yes. Yes. And this dog didn't like me. It was clear. And he was huge. I'm glad you don't but treat I your dating life that way. Yeah, right. His <laughs> might have suffered worse than getting my lip bit off if that was the case. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, I just knelt down and got on eye level with him, which has always been a, a tried and true technique to get dogs to calm down. I'm scratching him under his chin. 
and thought everything was going good. And I reached out with my other hand, scratched the other side of his face, and he just <laughs> just attacks me straight up point blank. Out of nowhere. Yeah, no growl, no warning. Just gotcha. It just it was like one of those moments where everything happened so fast and you didn't really realize what had happened. You know? And there was like, was a, s- like a centimeter a centimeter bit off your face or something? Uh, I lost two centimeters of my bottom lip. And it looked gross. I, I would show the audience a picture if we could. Yeah, it was pretty serious. But, um, you know, I mean, looking back, when a huge dog doesn't like you, you should probably just leave it alone. Yeah. That's, you know, the moral of the story. So uh, dogs I don't know. I don't really push it as much anymore. Right. But I was very lucky because one of the best plastic plastic surgeons and reconstructive surgeons in the country was right in that area. So I went to him, and he just numbed me up and put a little cloth over my eyes and stitched my face up while I was sitting there awake in the chair. Oh, my gosh. And then you came home, and... And you couldn't even th- some of the soup we had was too thick for you mm. to eat at first. Yeah, I was eating uh, like out of a teaspoon, little teaspoons of applesauce at a time because uh. that's the only amount I could open my mouth. It was pretty gnarly, dude. I've never. That was the more only time. Things I've been through. I felt awful for you, just awful. Yeah. And it was it was I think the only time I've ever bought uh, flowers for a dude. <laughs> And that was really sweet of you, man. Thank you. <laughs> really, really helped the recovery process. You're my boy. Yeah. Well, let's let's back it up. Let's back it up from the beginning. Back that ass up. You're in a. <laughs> you're an Ohio boy. O H, go I Browns. O. Okay, O H, go Browns. All right, I like that. <laughs> That's not quite how they. I say think it, I'm mixing the sports things there. Yeah. The same sport though. Same sport. Kind of different level. Mm-hmm. But for real, go Browns. I hope that all of the listeners of this podcast are ready for the Browns to go to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think all the listeners of this podcast are ready for the Browns to be 500. 500? No, they're going to have a good season this year. Um, Say, so didn't we do that last season? They're going to. I I think, I think, they have the. Well, this isn't a football podcast, but you know, I think they have a, they have a great cast of characters, and, I mean, they have maybe the best personalities in football on the team. So if nothing else, there's just going to be all kinds of entertaining drama, which could be fun. Oh, well, it's going to be a good season. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's going to be good. You got to come to Stony as one of these Sundays this year. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm really excited for the, for the Buckeyes to get rolling as well. OH. I O. <laughs> See, we, we did the whole thing that time. We did it. We did it well. <laughs> um, so you're born in 86. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you know, oh, you know, in Solon, Ohio, is that you're from originally? Yeah, I think I was born in Akron. Ah, and I lived in. We'll fact check that later. I lived in a house the first year of my life. I don't even remember where it was. I don't remember the house, obviously. Yeah, but when I was one, I moved into the house that my dad still lives in. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And that's in Solon. That's in Solon. So then, Solon uh, Comments. So what was what was your childhood like? You were the you know, you had some siblings and... Yeah. Uh, you know, third of four. It was a good childhood. It was a good childhood. <laughs> I mean, was it... Uh, you know, riding dirt bikes and bikes and hanging out and doing the outside things. And yeah, just a... Funny video games. Leave it to Beaver-esque family. Leave it to... <laughs> <laughs> Everything was perfect. You yeah. Know. There's no country song, you know, Dad left when you were three or anything like that. Um, 
nah, nah. <laughs> Stuck around. They waited until I was 20 to get divorced. Okay. <laughs> and you went to high school there. When did you start getting into music? Uh, I started taking piano lessons when I was seven. Which my mom gave me a choice. And I don't even know why this was the choice, but it was like, do you want to play piano or drums? And nothing else was ever in consideration, hmm. which is interesting. But it's even more interesting that a seven-year-old chose piano because this, I, I don't know, I feel like a seven-year-old boy would be more inclined to like bang some shit and play drums. Yeah. But I wanted to play piano, so that's what I chose. Did you like it? No, I hated it. <laughs> Just to be honest, I mean, they, you know, my parents had to force me to practice, and but it uh, it's just the problem with the whole system, which you're familiar with this because you teach and you're changing the whole world, and I think it's awesome. But <laughs> everyone Why, who you. teaches little kids uses these old, like dumbed down, big note piano classical books, songs that no little kid has ever cared about in their life, their short life at that point. Right. So, I mean, what seven-year-old is going to get stoked to play some big note Beethoven? None. Yeah, I wasn't. None. I mean, I did it, you know. I had a knack for it, and uh, I was being encouraged a lot because I was picking up on it quicker than other people. But I got to 12, and I quit piano and picked up drums. So you did quit piano for a little bit. I didn't know that. I did, yeah. You finally decided that you wanted to bang some shit. I wanted to, to hit some stuff and take out all of my 12-year-old frustrations. Yeah, all that angst. No, I don't think it was about angst, but it was, I think it was a much cooler instrument to play at that time. I was excited to do that. Uh, and do you, how long did you take? But, but we left oh, out yeah. one thing. I played viola for two weeks. No way. That's right. No way. I was grade. just wondering who plays viola. I mean, outside of an orchestral setting, I mean, you, you don't have a bluegrass band with a viola. It's always a, it's always a violin. You know, there... <laughs> There is a bluegrass band with a viola in it. Really? But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure why you would play viola versus fiddle. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have, I have no frame of reference on this conversation. But yeah, if, if you're you gonna play fiddle, it's like that's a violin. That's kind of the understanding. But there's a couple of them out there. Yeah, you, I think you play a lot of counter melodies if you're a viola player. Mm. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, you've been programming viola parts and. <laughs> Orchestration. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so viola for two weeks. That obviously didn't go well. How long nah, was orchestra wasn't for me, man. Yeah. Were you in an orchestra for two weeks, or was it just private? Mm, it was like small group lessons. Like, I mean, we were ten years old. Okay. So like just getting started. Right. And she was like, "You're good at this. You should do it." I was like, "No, I hate this," and I just quit it. Yeah. Fair enough. But I was still playing piano. Okay, you were just playing for... Oh, I see, I see. Mm -hmm. um, and you quit piano altogether and started drums when you were 12. How long did you... How long did that stick? Yeah, that lasted... Um, I don't know. I think I focused on drums for like four years solely. <laughs> just on drums. Excuse me, I got those Belvany, Belvany burps. Oh, um, yeah, until yes, uh, about when I was in high school, freshman, sophomore year, when I started getting back into piano. And you kept playing drums through that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always kept playing drums. Was it ever your primary, do you feel like? You know, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe like maybe before I really dived back into piano, Yeah. maybe drums was my primary. I was a better drummer at one point than I was a pianist, but it was brief. 
when you got back into piano, were you, were you with it with a vengeance? Or just kind of. You know, some of the timeline is blurring a little bit. Yeah, but it's probably because it you took three of my IPAs out of the fridge. Hey, this is only number two. Man. Okay. It is my third pour of this delicious Delvinie. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Yes, thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I broke my leg in four places skiing on a garbage dump in Ohio called Brandywine. <laughs> and then I was just sitting around the house all the time. So I started playing piano like every day for like hours because there wasn't really much else I could do. And I ventured down into the basement like once or twice to play drums, but I couldn't use my right foot, uh, which is kind of a problem when you're playing drums. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense mm-hmm. as as I'm looking at a drum kit out of the right corner of my eye. Yeah, and going downstairs with a... I mean, in the beginning, I had a cast from my toe up to my thigh, which was really hard to get around. Oh, my around. gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, quite a cast. It's quite a cast. So you're kind of injury prone. Yeah, I think I've had nine surgeries. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And hopefully uh, that's it. Hopefully that, yeah. Knock on wood. Knock on <laughs> knock on my uh, keyboard pull well, That's why I'm not going to take risks that I did anymore, you know, looking uh, aggressive dogs in the eyes or, or skiing on little sticks that don't detach when you fall. Right. Wait, but you still are skiing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like a lot. Yeah, and I tore my ACL a few years ago, too, skiing. But oh, man. I just don't push it as much anymore. Good. And we still have not been skiing together. I know, six years later. Oh, it's because I snowboard. Well, well, I ain't going we snowboarding. We haven't hit the slopes together. That's right. So We haven't shredded the nar together. We have not shredded the nar you're playing back, playing piano in high school. Did you start getting into bands at this point? What what happened? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, my first band, I think, was uh, a trio in middle school. It was me, my buddy uh, Barat. You know Dr. Barat. Oh, I know Dr. Barat. Who's next door neighbor. And Maria Kotomilianskaya. What? Maria Kotomilianskaya. That was the full name. It sounded like Maria, and then you were stating something about her. (laughs) Nope, that's her (laughs) last name. Uh, She was Russian. She played bass. Nice. And, I mean, you know, as well as a 13-year-old could. So we did some trio gigs. We played the eighth grade pool party. That was our biggest gig. Mm. It was pretty exciting. Nice. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that Maria had a huge crush on me, and it got weird. Uh, but anyways, moving wow. on from that. <laughs> that got serious for in a high second there. Yeah, it did. In high school, uh, that's when Elysium started, which was my first like real band experience. Yeah. And we entered the high school battle of the bands, and we took second place out of 80 bands. Wow. And that was our first gig. Who took first, OAR? Oh, uh, man, it was like Johnny Psycho and the Switchblade Rockers. Johnny Psycho and That's the Switchblade <laughs> Rockers. Are, do you know? Do you happen to know if any of them are still doing things? I have no idea. I highly doubt it. You were probably the but only one. I mean, one maybe you know. In those eighty bands, that's a professional musician. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, you know, they they were terrible from what I remember. It was like a crappy punk band. Let's hope none of them are. But listening. they had like a ton of energy, and they were jumping all over the stage. 
and all that. So apparently one of the judges like gave us like zeros on all this stuff because we didn't have enough energy. Sounds like and that's why Johnny Psycho edged us out. They got the Guitar Center package. Johnny Psycho sounds like a dick. <laughs> yeah, fuck Johnny Psycho. <laughs> this isn't a censored podcast, right? Not anymore. <laughs> Not this episode. Mm. Yeah, so Johnny Psycho got to record a whole album, and they got a bunch of gear and money and whatever. But we got to record a single at the same studio. Cool. So we recorded our single there and then decided we were going to record a whole album at that studio. Well, they got you then. They got us, man. Yeah. I don't... Was it Originals? Don't remember what that studio was called. Yeah, it was all original stuff. Wow. Mm-hmm. You wrote some of the songs? Um, I helped like with the instrumental writing. Yeah. We had Marcus, Marcus Brathwaite. He, he was our poetic lead singer. Okay. Cool. And he wrote, I was, man, I hope, I wish I had kept these. He had all his lyrics scribbled down on paper plates from the basement. Oh, my gosh. It was a sell for millions one day. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Is he still playing? Uh, yeah, man, Marcus is a weird story, but he, like, all of a sudden quit the band, which he is kind of responsible for me being a singer in a way because we had, it was a year after our first gig, and we were going to be the reunion band at the high school rock-off because two of the guys had graduated, so we couldn't compete. And Marcus quit the band and just bounced. Didn't tell anyone why, didn't say anything, didn't talk to any of us. It just That was it. Wow. And the rest of the guys looked at me, and they're like, you have the best voice out of the rest of us, so you're singing. And, and I didn't consider myself a singer at all. You know, That's crazy. I was terrified. It's crazy, because you're quite the singer now. Yeah, well, look how far I've come, man. <laughs> But I had to get up on this stage, and we're the reunion band, like the ones that aren't in high school anymore. They're supposed to be better than everyone else, and this is the first gig I've ever had to sing in front of people. Yeah. I was sitting up there shitting my pants. Like, I guess it went all right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was judging us because we weren't competing, so I never saw the scores. (laughs) No one was keeping score. But yeah, original music, and it was good, man. I mean, for a high school band, it was pretty good. Nice. Nice. And we recorded an album and got that whole experience under our belts. We kind of set everything in motion. Yeah. And you kind of had the bug at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elysium got me hooked. Nice. And and that was the only high school band, right, until na- until college? Yeah, until college round one. Yeah, college round one. Let's talk about uh, – you have a lot of college rounds. I mean, kind of. I mean, kind of just two, right? Kind of just two, Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of each round as a year, in which case you'd have quite a few more. Oh, yeah. Well, if that's how we're counting. (laughs) (laughs) It was a couple years off in between, man. Where'd you you go to school? Uh, University of Illinois, the Fighting Illini. Ah. Mm -hmm. Were you there when uh, D. Brown was the star basketball player? I think so. Yeah. Is that when they went to the national championship? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, this is all a blur now. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I just remember that was a really fun night, and I didn't know anything about basketball at all. Had not watched a single game. I didn't even know what colors the teams wore, and I wore UNC's colors to the U of I bar by accident. (laughs) Oh, no. And my buddy, Packy, thanks, Packy, let me walk all the way to the bar wearing those colors before he told me. So then I took my shirt off and watched the game in an undershirt. 
What a nice friend. Mm-hmm. And then I burned that shirt in the streets later and narrowly avoided getting arrested. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, it was a pretty fun night, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was standing in the middle of Green Street on the center of campus, <laughs> waving a burning shirt above my head with a crowd of people around me chanting, fuck UNC. And I made the student paper, too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a copy? Dude, I wish, man. <laughs> I, ha- I had the article up on my dorm room door for a while. Wow. But uh, I don't think I have that. That would be that would be pretty epic. Though. That would be super <laughs> epic. Um, I have to frame it and put it in the practice room. Speaking of Packy, that that's leads into our next band, right? Oh, that's right. The namesake for underpaid Packy. Yep. Well, of which you still have probably 750 of their CDs sitting under your bed, right? <laughs> I don't know about 750, but I got a couple hundred, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we only pressed 1,000, and we split them up five ways. So I don't have a couple hundred. I might have 100. Oh, that's I mean, they all sold out in the first week, and we made millions. <laughs> this was before Spotter 5. That, that's right, yeah. I still get CD baby checks for like eight bucks. Really? Yeah, every like six months or so. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's about what I get too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but this band doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, man. I know. I know it. Underpaid Packy, was that your, when did that start? Freshman year of college? What did you major in? How did this happen? Why did you go to Illinois? Oh, man. I was, so I was going to be an engineer, Sido. No. That's right. You? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dude, I took AP Calc and AP Physics and. I I reckoned I was the, I'm the least, I have the lowest IQ in the house. That's probably that's what I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think your your IQ is a few points higher than Kaya's. The dog, yeah. <laughs> that's right. You're probably right about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I was I was the little, the smart guy with the the bright engineering future ahead of him apparently. But it turns out I hate calculus. And, Anyways, that was part of the reason I went to U of I because they had a really good engineering school. Mm. And I got in to see you Boulder and U of I. And mm. it came down to the two of those. And my parents pushed about as hard as they possibly could for me not to go to Boulder. Because? Because it was known as like top five party schools in the country. So if you were burning your shirt at University of Illinois, you'd have been burning your underwear in Boulder. Uh, yeah, I guess so, man. <laughs> Probably, dude. I mean, you spent enough time in Boulder, you yeah. know what the scene is. Grew up, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, U of I had a better engineering program. It seemed like a better investment in my future. We went and visited that campus and toured it and everything, and we never even went out to see Boulder. I think that was on purpose because my parents knew if I came out and saw it, then I was going to be set on it. Love it. Right. And I wonder how that would have affected my life, but who knows, man. We probably still would have met at some point if you were a musician. Yeah. If you became a musician, which you probably still would have. I doubt we'd live together. I think that was always what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there was some some pressure from from dad and and whoever else. Like, you can always play music, but. Right. Sure. You know. Yeah, do something with your life that'll make you money, boy. You c- and you can't blame him. <laughs> you can't. No, blame I can't. <laughs> uh, was he wrong? I mean, yeah. You know, we're working on it. Yeah, as you're sitting in my bedroom with giant holes in your jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I'm wearing these jeans because I stepped in this nasty pile of sludge off of the curb on our last gig on Saturday night. Oh, gross. Which I'm glad it was the last night because it's the only pair of jeans I brought on tour. Which I would advise you bring a couple pairs of pants. Never had an issue with that. Thank you, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) There were... You know, I don't know if I should talk about this or not. There was a previous member of some band that... um, that shit his pants one night. He was kind of on the heavy side, you know. Do I? But he shit his pants like on the gig. <laughs> and that's why he said you always bring a second pair of pants on tour. Wait, in a band just, just that in you case, were in? Just, no, no, I wasn't in the band. <laughs> but anyway, it's a funny story talking about pants. Oh, man. Going I, off on tangents. Tell me, the, tell me the name of the band after we turn this off. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like, I, you know, I mean, this podcast is clearly going to blow up and then millions of people are going to listen to this. And I just. Yeah. I'm like, whose name should I say? And who shouldn't I? Yeah, we've just we've just gotten started and we're 26 minutes in. Oh, damn. <laughs> so. You're at U of I studying engineering. You get off course somehow. You start. What do you start playing another band? You drop out. Give us the give us the lowdown. Yeah, all right. Well, engineering lasted one semester because fuck calculus. Right, Eight sure. semesters of calculus, no, there's uh, there's just no way for me. Sure. So I got all that was undeclared doing gen eds, and that's when I met, that year I met Matt Felon. Oh, Felon. Yeah, you know Felon I well. I love Felon. <laughs> oh, Felon. Felon loves beer. Yeah, he man, he sure does. On a next, another level. Yeah. His, uh, his cellar is, it rivals most... Well, crushes most liquor stores when it comes to beer selection. I love it. It's good. But Felon was on uh, floor seven of Oglesby, my dorm. And I was on floor nine. And his buddy introduced us. And we started playing together a little bit. We didn't do much that year. We just kind of like jammed a little bit or something. But the next year we moved into an apartment. Oh, shit. When did Underpaid Baggy start? Man. I guess Felon and I kind of like jammed together and like played acoustics and stuff for a couple of years because I think Underpaid Packy started my junior year when we moved into a house. Mm. And Felon met Andy Glacier and David Delpiez yeah. who were in one of his classes with him. And they came over to the house and we started jamming. And, uh, and then we wrote a Lucid Dream, which was our first song. That was... Uh, it was inspired by, and and the lyrics were kind of geared towards describing an acid trip. Ah, yeah, naturally. And 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 there the band was. There the band was, and then the uh, the Irish Illini uh, let us play their event for free. That was our first gig. The Irish Illini. Yes, and this was me getting back into my drumming. Because I was the drummer. You were the drummer in that band. Yeah, there was no keyboards and underpaid packy at first. But you were the singer too, right? That's right. I was trying to channel my inner Be Phil, Phil Collins. Phil Collins, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> beat you to it. <laughs> or uh, Don Henley, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few great ones. Levon Helm. Those, yeah, Levon Helm. I was going to say, what's the other one? That's that's pretty much it, right? Those three? No, there's like two others, and we'll think of them later on in the podcast. Yeah, we'll get back to but, singing drummers. But, but we can count them on one hand, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Underpaid Packy was born. 
which that name, by the way, came from an online band generator. There was internet then? Which is, there were <laughs> 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 I mean, I know I'm old, man, but. Yeah. Uh yeah yeah we we're trying to figure out what to call the band so we we went online and found this online band name generator that you type words into and then it spits out like fifty different band names yeah so we typed in Packy because we lived with him and underpaid Packy came up and we were probably all like really stoned and laughing hysterically about it and thought it was funny and decided to go with it as a joke and it wasn't ever meant to stick I don't think yeah uh, but it stuck wow. Underpaid Packy. I don't think it ever did us any favors. No. It's not not the greatest band name, man. A lot of people had questions about what we had against Pakistanis. Interesting. No, this has nothing to do... Well, imagine if that was your band name now. Right, yeah. Everyone's all fucking sensitive and stuff. That would be... I mean, it'd be a whole lot worse. But it was... It says P-A-C-K-Y. It's an Irish nickname. It's not P-A-K-I. Yeah. You know? And d- but was, people here, they don't know that. Was honestly. that the first time you ever toured with Packy? Was that? Mm. I mean, touring is a relative term. Like we played in Chicago a couple times in Indianapolis. and Indianapolis. I think the highlight of our career, or one of them, was playing summer camp music festival in Chillicothe. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That was really fun. But we didn't. You know, we just kind of like played locally. I mean, everyone was going to school full time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we recorded two albums, and uh, honestly, things were heading in the right direction, but everyone had their own plans. Right. Two of them are doctors now, of, of <laughs> varying degrees. Most people had their own plans to make money. Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Felon is uh, ER medicine. He's doing well. Uh, Dr. David Delpiez, which I think is incredible that I can finally call him that because of the alliteration, but he's a yeah. doctor of statistics. And he is a professor at the Ohio State University. Really? That's right. Very cool. Mm hmm. Yeah. And uh, Glace is in Chicago doing his thing. And. Um, not a doctor. He's not a doctor. Sorry, Dr. Glace. Dr. Glace. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe, man. Maybe at some point. And AJ, uh, I just found out he has a daughter, which is incredible. But he's playing music, and he's touring with a band that might be in Denver soon, so I'm excited. What's the band? To maybe see him. Uh, I'd have to look it up. I don't remember the name. Well, if uh, those of you listening, if you want to go see a band that Kevin doesn't remember the name of as they're touring through Denver, (laughs) we can have a middle-class rock star meetup. That's right, man. Yeah, check them out. So as you're looking that up, uh, when did your stint at University of Illinois end? How did Joe Boo get started, the next project? Joe Boo. Joe Boo. Uh, Joe Boo was from Carbondale, Illinois. We, I think we played a battle of the bands against them. I think they might have beat us, too. But uh, let's see. I dropped out 2007, maybe, or 2008. I don't know. It would have been my senior year. Um, Felon was doing like a super senior thing the next year so we moved into a band house underpaid packy house and those guys were all going to school and I was just doing the music thing and slinging sandwiches Jimmy John's Jimmy John's that's right Yeah, which was still your favorite sandwich place for years after yeah I don't know I, I think I just like the consistency <laughs> and that's fast 
Yeah. It's nothing to write home That's about. That's why Subway is my tour meal. It certainly isn't like reminds me of the glory days because that was not the highlight of my life back then. But, um, yeah, we had we lived in the band house and we we're all excited about it and uh, and we played some good shows that year, but some like really not so great things happened that year too. And then everyone was kind of moving on and Joe Boo moved to Champaign and they came and saw us a couple of times and uh, kind of put the bug in my ear about playing with them. So I saw everyone else was moving on in a couple of months, and I was like, well, yeah, fuck it. What am I going to do? Yeah. So I'm, I jumped on the Joe Boo train, which lasted like six or seven months. And what were you majoring in at this point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no majoring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess I was majoring in uh, having a good time, playing music as much as I can partying a lot (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of partying at u of i and the underpaid packy house i had a bar i had the entire basement level to myself with a bar in the corner that was called doobie snacks the the doobie snacks bar doobie snacks that's right which is famous across the midwest famous and the predecessor of the yard bar yes the yard bar is probably much classier than anything i could imagine you had then yeah you know, they were different, man. The yard, you know, I certainly didn't have a granite countertop on, on Doobie Snacks. But I think it had kind of like a leather. It was nice. It was a cool little thing. That's it was also cool. the only bar in town that had a $3 joint special. <laughs> but you had to smoke it with the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some kid came in and man. he was like, oh, I'll take 20 of those. I was like, no, nah, man, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. I did but college I, all wrong. You did, dude. <laughs> you did. You did it all wrong. Four that, years. That's where all the underpaid packy after parties were. We'd play our shows, and then we'd all go back to Doobie Snacks. And yeah. And I was always the last one up, so I didn't mind having the bar in my bedroom. Very cool. And that was kind of my case for how I got the entire basement level when the three of them all shared the second floor. <laughs> I was like, well, guys, do you want to have the bar in your bedroom? And they are like... You're right. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Doobie Snacks. I still have the menu. We should pull it out and make some of those you drinks. You still have the menu. I have it. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. A like the Italian margarita. The Italian margarita. What's in that? I don't know, man. We'll just pull out the menu. We'll have to pull it out. But the worst thing in the menu was the Navy Seal, which was two ounces of Jaeger and two ounces of Jose Cuervo mixed together. That's it. Wow, that sounds gross. It's yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it was on the back page, which was drinks for assholes. <laughs> but I had one guy who came to Doobie Snacks, and he would take like four Navy Seals and then be good to go for the night. Wow, and it was tips only. We didn't charge for drinks. I bet you made okay money on that though. Yeah, I pretty much broke even. Yeah, but it was funded. That's all you can ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? How did? Uh, what happened with Joe Boo? Joe Boo. You know, the Joe Boo days were interesting. I moved. They had a really nice house in Savoy, which is just south of Champaign. Um, and they all had bedrooms, but there was only a four-bedroom place. And they were paying for the house with gig money. And I think they were just barely covering it. And they also bought a trailer and all kinds of other things. <coughs> and, you know, when I joined the band, they were in over their head a little bit, it seemed like. But I was. they're all great musicians. It was really fun playing with them. 
So I was stoked about it. I was like, all right, let's do this thing, man. Like some people who are like more invested because underpaid packy, you know, no, I don't think anyone was really looking at a career in music. Yeah. Whereas like these guys had music degrees from college and were like trying to make it happen. Yeah. So it was a different level on that in that regard. But I was sleeping on an air mattress in the practice room. And that was your bed. That was it. Yeah, it was like it was, you know, one of those I used to have it. I had the automatic pump on it, so I was like, ooh, this is fancy. But it was was terrible. It was awful. Yeah. And I didn't have any of my own space. So that worked for a while, but like we didn't get paid anything. You know, you pay your guys a certain amount per gig. Right. Right. Like whether whether you made that much money or not. Your musicians are gonna get paid. I was played with this band for six months. I think we got paid out like three or four times, because all the money was going to like credit card payments, and paying for the house. Right. So yeah, I never saw much money at all. It was like, oh, you know, we went down to Key West, got paid five grand, and I think we got paid out like 150 bucks each. And some of those expenses probably weren't. A lot of those expenses probably weren't yours. No, most of them were things that were bought before I even joined. Mm. You know. So eventually it got to the point where I was like, all right, I mean, all our money is going towards this house and like I'm totally getting the shaft, not even having a bedroom. And this is around the time that I met Brittany and started hanging out with her. So eventually I just started staying at her house, Mm. which was way more cozy than sleeping on my air mattress in the practice room. Right. And, uh, And there were some dynamics within the band that were not so great. Yeah. Really hard headed, uh, egotistical. Mm, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I respect all those guys. It was a good learning experience. Right. And a lot of them are doing great. I'm not really sure about one of them, but at the end of the day, it wasn't going to work out. So you left the band. I do. Yeah. I regret how I left the band. I kind of just bailed. We had two gigs that weekend and I just called them and says I, I wasn't coming. That was it. Which is about the most unprofessional thing I've done in my music career, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they had another lead singer, and they had been just the four of them for years before me. So I was like, you know, I'm not leaving them like high and dry. Just go back to what they were. What were your duties in the band? You were drums and singing? Keyboards and singing. You were keyboards in that band. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, once we got AJ and Underpaid Packy, then I I was a keyboardist and vocalist from then on out. Okay. Only like the first year of underpaid packing. That's the last time I was a drummer in a band. Wow. Well, I do play some drums with with uh, P Mac, Pamela Makula. And you shout out. Occasionally play some drums with. Who is one of the hottest songwriters out of Boulder? Oh you yeah. Check her out. Oh yeah, Pamela. Pamela Makula. That's right. P Mac. P Mac and the Snack Attack. But yeah, I've uh, I've officially committed myself ninety nine percent of the time to keyboards and yeah. singing. But you're a great drummer too. Oh, well, thank you. I do love playing drums. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. It's fun, man. I still have to. I've been. You can I've, just beat the hell out of these things. I've, I've been having to play my own drums on my electric kit next to my bed here, which is uh, a disaster when I'm recording things. So I'm going to, you know, when you're oh. home, I'm just going to catalog some things for you to lay drums down on. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you left underpaid Packy. Did you come to Colorado at that point? Did you spend some more time in school? Uh, I left UP, I joined Joe Boo for six months, I quit Joe Boo, and then I was literally just like 
selling, just working for Jimmy John's. Oh, did I say Packy? I meant to say you Joe said Packy. Yeah, I it was meant Joe to say Boo. Boo. I meant to say Boo. It was it, Joe Boo ain't gonna help you hit no curveballs, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, hopefully your listeners get that reference. That's where the name came from. You get that reference. No, I actually don't. Major Sorry. League. Oh, come on, man! I haven't seen that movie in years. It's, it's a Cleveland Indians with, movie with the Wild Thing. Yeah, dude, the Wild Thing. Sorry, it just didn't. It just didn't strike me right. Yeah, there. and the one guy, you know, he's like the religious dude, and he's got the the little like dolls and like set up at his locker. As Joe Boo is who he's worshiping. Yeah, he was like, Joe Boo ain't gonna help you hit no curveballs. And then he's like, Screw you, Joe Boo! I'll do it myself. And he nails a curveball in this glorious moment. We need to watch that movie again. We should. Yeah, let's. We should watch that movie. Let's make that happen this summer. Mm-hmm. With all the other, th- let's do that on the pontoon boat on Lake Granby. <laughs> watch the movie. <laughs> just you know all the things we say we're gonna do this summer. Let's just make them all. Happen. Yeah, let's put that on the list, man. We'll get some kind of old school TV rigged up to like a car battery and uh, sit on a body of water while we use it. That sounds like a great idea. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Lubbock. Oh, oh, love it. I love it. Lubbock. I'm about to head to Lubbock. Yeah, you are. Yes, sir. Yeah, we we uh, you know it's funny we live together. We get to see each other like uh, in the summertime, maybe I a know. couple days a month. I know. I was I was telling somebody the other day, they're like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Or I was a few weeks ago, "What are you doing Tuesday afternoon?" I said, "Oh, I'm getting lunch with Kevin." Like, why do you have to get lunch with him? You know, you don't. You know, you live with him. I was like, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of two touring musicians with very different schedules. Yeah, yeah, we meet up when we can. When we can. So I left Joe Boo, and this was, that was probably the most disheartened I've ever been about music. I I didn't touch my keyboards for like six months at all. I just stopped playing. Wow. I was kind of just like burnt out by the whole experience and disheartened. And then uh, Brittany and I decided we were kind of like stir crazy and, and needed the next chapter. We moved to Colorado, and part of that plan was me going back to school. Okay. I was like, all right, I'm not just going to be like a college dropout who never does anything, you know. Spent a couple of years being that person. Yeah. So there was a couple of years out of school completely. Yeah, two or three. Gotcha. Give or take. Yeah. You know, made some uh, questionable decisions, had some ups and downs, and then at the end of it got spit out and decided I needed to go take my life more seriously. Yeah, take your talents to South Beach. I mean, I mean Denver. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, <laughs> to South Beach. Uh, yeah, so we moved. We moved to Colorado, and I I went to CCD because my GPA was so low from U of I. Oh, I didn't know that, that. I couldn't get into UCD, Colorado Community College of Denver. No, Community yeah. College of Denver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, my last semester at U of I, I literally just didn't take any of my finals. Oh wow! I just didn't go to any. That of probably them. pissed off your parents. Yeah, you could say so. I don't think my dad talked to me for over six months. At all? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised, but wow. Yeah, that was pretty serious. I mean, that was, honestly, that was like the low point in my life. You know, I let everyone down, including myself. But uh, but here I am, you know, I turned things around. Went to Colorado, went back to school. I left U of I with a 1.6 GPA, which is like... So you, you weren't going to dra- I mean, graduate you know, I was like an a- or whatever. AP student in high school. Like, I'm not an idiot. I just didn't apply myself, and I partied way too much. And I lived in a house with 10 people, and someone was always partying, and I was really bad at saying no. So that's what I did. Not to interrupt, but I, I just want to take note that the Denver Nuggets just won 
game one against the Trailblazers. Portland. Yep. Dude, did you watch that last game? Just got Portland that. over their last series? No. <laughs> we were at the bar right before our gig and Eugene uh watching the game. Oh. And it was I don't remember. I think he needed the three pointer to win the game. And there's like six seconds left and he's standing out like closer to half court than he is to the three point line. And we're sitting there like, What are you doing, man? What are you doing? What is he gonna do anything? Gets down to like a second and a half. And he just shoots it from almost half court, swishes right through the net. And oh, game. man. Yeah, it was pretty That's epic. crazy. It was pretty fun. <laughs> That's crazy. I, ju- I just got the push notification on my phone, and, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, we're here in Denver, so. Yeah, and now we're back on sports. Might as well, sports. So, yeah, the Nuggets, man. All right. Go Nuggets. Go Nuggets, I guess. You think they got a shot? <laughs> a shot. <laughs> Everyone knows as soon as uh, – as soon as Golden State gets to the finals, then everyone else loses. So that's probably the case again. This I'm year. over basketball. Yeah. Anyways, where were we? We're you're in you're in Colorado. You're turning your oh yeah, Colorado. Right. So I left, I left U of I with a 1.6, and then I I went to CCD and transferred to UCD, piano performance, which is where we met, and I graduated from UCD with a 3.8. After leaving U of I with a 1.6. So I, I think I turned it around pretty good. You done good. Done good. You done good. I and got my degree, made daddy proud. We met at CU Denver. CU Denver, yeah. Uh, Yeah, we met, I I think, what, I was in my junior year or something. And I, I, I think we were aware of each other's existence. And I remember thinking, oh, there's another person here who plays piano well. Um. Actually, there's a couple. There's a couple other really good piano players, and you were one of them. I was like, oh, yeah, that Kevin guy. He plays piano. That Kevin guy. Real good lack. And I remember uh, we were in teaching private music lessons class together. Mm. With um, Gregory Walker. Gregory Walker. That's yeah. right. Yep. And you, you told me before I re-signed on my lease to come check out your place. And I thought, no way, man. And I re-signed on my lease. Yeah. Dude, I hung flyers all over the arts building with pictures of the townhouse. That's how that's how that happened. Anyone who wanted to be a roommate. That's how that happened because you were hanging flyers to get a roommate, and I was hanging flyers <laughs> for my show with. Uh, I was uh, we were opening for Delbert McClinton, and then Dick Dale a couple weeks later, and I was hanging flyers all over the arts building for that. That's Dale. R.I.P. Right? Yeah, yeah. That was recent, wasn't right. it? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago. Um. Yeah, and then we started chatting a little bit. But but we weren't really buddies in college. Not really, Not man. Much. Yeah. Until it's just kind of like, oh, this is goofy Sido guy. He play, you know, he, he plays well and we have some classes together, but we never hung out. No. No, you're an unlikely uh BFF. And then, and then uh and then Emma's senior recital. That's right. Emma Emma Mays and the hip. Emma Mays and the hip. Where Charlie, your dog, decided to try some pot. Also R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he ate about 80 milligrams worth of THC with a pack of gummies. That was a tough time for him. But in the brief time I was at Emma's recital, we talked about Howl at the Moon. 
doing piano bar. Right, which is what, like, that was the catalyst of our whole relationship, I feel like. Yeah. That piano bar. Yeah, <laughs> that I really have no affiliation with anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get out, you get out of college, you graduate, you turn your GPA around, which I, I guess, who have you shown that to since you graduated, but... Yeah, with a music degree, not that that matters. Yeah. Know, it was more of, like, just feeling better about myself as a human being. <laughs> right. That and and kind of like getting the most out of the music education that I could. You know? Sure, sure. You're out of school, and I'm living with you at this point right out of school. You're playing at Howl at the Moon, a dueling piano bar. Mm-hmm. I'm training there. And, and, and don't forget about the old oh, wait Summit a Steakhouse. Wait course. a minute. Yeah, you're not out of school. I'm out of school. You have a year left. Right, you graduated before me. That's right. Despite being Forgot born that. five years after me. Five and a half. Five and a half years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're playing at the Summit Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. That was an incredible gig. Yeah. Four nights a week, three hours, making monies. That was my first gig. I found it on the uh, gig section of Craigslist when I moved out here. Wow. It really does work. It works, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a residency at, at the Summit Steakhouse, RIP once again, Yeah. Um, for six and a half years. Wow. And I filled in there a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yep. Thank you for that. Yeah. But, you know, I had a, as far as a musician, I had pretty much the most regular schedule you could ever imagine. Right. For like four years. Wednesday through Saturday. Was, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Steakhouse, 6 to 8, uh, Howl at the Moon, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even Wednesday in the beginning. Right. So it was four nights a week, two gigs a night. And then I was in school full-time the rest of the week as well. Pretty ideal gig. Yeah, I was making good money, man. And I was all fired up because I was in school and, like, motivated. Had you know had your own place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was some good times there. Yeah, great times as I'm, th- as I'm thinking back. And I remember one afternoon... You told I don't know if you're unsatisfied with your gigs. I think you were still doing them, but also maybe looking to do something more. And I remember one afternoon you came home and said uh, you were recommended by one of your professors, Greg Garrison, to audition for a band called the Grant Farm. And Dr. I, Greg. Dr. Greg, and I, I knew Grant Farm. That logo, that font, those yellow stickers, I'd seen it around a bunch of times, and I thought of them as a... A bigger band in town. I absolutely knew the name, and I thought, man, that's great. You should yeah. do it. So you were you were gigging around like the scene. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't exist on the scene. Right. I played in two places: a steakhouse and a piano bar. Yeah. So I had no idea who Grant Farm was, but I got the call from Tyler Grant. I think I still have the voice memo. Really? When you called me from on the road, like, hey, I'm Tyler Grant. I'm in this band called Grant Farm. Uh, Dr. Greg Garrison recommended you to me. We're looking for a keyboardist. Check us out online, blah, blah, blah. So I checked him out online, and the first thing I saw when I looked him up was uh, Grant Farm with Keller Williams at the Rhythms on the Rio Festival. Wow. I was like, oh, they're playing with Keller Williams. That's fucking cool, you know. So I downloaded both their albums. I learned all their songs. I went and met up with them. And uh, and ran through a bunch of them, and they were like, you know, you're the the first guy we tried out that actually learned any of our songs. And I was like, oh, all right, yeah, <laughs> cool. 
And that was Dr. Greg is the one who inspired me to do all that because that's what he did with Leftover Salmon. He said they were looking for a bass player. And in his case, it was a much more serious endeavor, but he went online and he compiled a list of every Leftover Salmon song that he could find, which was 400 songs. <gasps> and he learned them all. No, he did not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, granted, a lot of them, you know, it doesn't, a lot of them are pretty straightforward, like bluegrass tunes, one, four, and five, or whatever. But certainly there's a whole bunch that are not simple. But Greg's one of those dudes that listens to a song once and he knows it. Right. So he was like, yeah, that's how I did it. And then he recommended me this band. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to learn their songs and go make a good impression. Wow. And they took me on the road. Well, we went to Belly Up Aspen to play a gig, the first gig I ever played with them. And Belly Up is like one of the nicest cool. venues. Yeah. I mean, in great venue all over the place it's it's extremely nice and that was my first experience with them and we left that and i was like on such a high and all excited i got off stage after a 45 minute set opening for casey donahue band and i was like what a rush and i th i think they thought i was being sarcastic because ace was like yeah what a rush dude like you know they didn't think much of it, it was a 45 minute set we do cool gigs all the time but i was man. like man i've been playing like taylor swift every night for like five years you know you loved it. Yeah, I was stoked. It was really fun. So Did I told him on the drive back from Aspen, I was like, let me get my shit figured out, but I'm I'm in. Cool. Yeah. And they had you. They were excited. Yep, getting the band back together. Did you feel like a sideman at that point, or did you feel like a member of the band right away? I mean, not, I felt very much out of my element in the beginning. Yeah. Because yeah, I haven't, you know, I hadn't really played much music in that style. It's a total shift in your mind. Like, you go from playing like jazz and blues. I don't know. I always thought more in like a minor sense when I was playing, but mm. then all of a sudden it's like you're playing one, four, and five in a major key, and everything is just these major pentatonic licks. And like, I've never really thought that way as a Right. Player. Sure. So it was a huge adjustment and trying to keep up with Tyler in itself. It's tough. It's something I'm still trying to do. Yeah, know? right. Right, right, right. <laughs> But uh, but I have definitely have a much better handle on it now than I did when I joined the band. But I was excited about it, mm. and I still am excited about it. I mean, we've really grown in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I remember you're you're t talking to me about the soloing was one thing, and having to solo after Tyler, and also just soloing in that style in general. I, I remember that conversation. You're like, this is weird, man. It is, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to learn like when I mean when when what is appropriate, but I told him that when when I met up with him to try out for the band, I was like the one thing I'm not really super comfortable with is soloing on like these really fast, bluegrassy tunes. Yeah, and he goes, "Oh, all right, let's do this one," and calls one of their fastest ones. Like, you know, I was like, "Get comfortable." It's like, damn it, I shouldn't have said that. But he's like, "All right, well, let's see what you can do then." Yeah. How long have you been with Grant Farm now? Grant Farm for almost four and a half years. Wow. Yeah, damn, it doesn't seem like that long, but four and I a half years. Yeah, I guess most of the time we've been buddies. You've been a, you've been a farmer. A farmer. Yeah. That's right. Farmily. Hashtag farmily. Hashtag farmily. Looking at our uh, concert poster on the ground there now, too. That's right. Four and, and a half years in the band, and we're finally doing our first co-bill. I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't. I think it's going to be a perfect bill together. And I think you have one of the Grant Farm is one of the most recognizable logos in the Colorado scene. 
you know, I can't take any credit for it, but it's, and, it's a great well, logo. You just po- this is embarrassing. You just pointed the ant out to me for the first time today. I've never noticed the ant. Yeah. I've seen the logo a, a thousand times. I've never noticed the ant. Ant farm. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Piecing it all together for you. I think I was just. It's, it's ant farm with a gur. It's hard to That's fo- how I get people focus to remember. on the logo with the with the statue breasts and the poster there. That's right. Dude, I I just was reading one of those stupid clickbait articles the other day on Facebook. Sure. About Greek statues and what they actually looked like. Because they weren't just white like this. They were like colored, painted. No way. Yeah. I never realized that. That's neat. I don't think most people did. No. No, I got to see those. I got to look those up. I got to clickbait. That's right. some clickbait. Go so waste some time on Facebook, guys. Go waste guys. some time. You do a lot of that in the backseat of the van on tour. <laughs> no, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, it is. So let's talk a little bit about about the farm. What have been, what's been amazing about it? What have been some struggles? What's next? Let's get into it. Let's talk about the Grant Farm. The Grant Farm. Yeah. Let's open up. The, it took us 51 minutes to start talking about the Grant Farm. Yeah, shit. I guess I'm just a, a rambling. No, no, I rambling I, Randy over I here. I egged you on. <laughs> you did, damn it, Sid, <laughs> with your Fernie Brewing Company hat on. That's right. You always have a different hat on every time I see you. I feel like I like to keep it classy. Should be wearing the Grand Farm hat. I wear that hat plenty. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> That's right. That's one of the best ones, man. I like that one. I like that hat too. If I don't have a mullet for that show, I'll. Wear that hat instead. Dude, I'll pay you money to shave your head into a mullet for the show. I might. I'm thinking about it. All right. Yeah. When is this show? June 8th. June 8th. That's right. You should know that. I know. I was leading into a plug on the podcast for all the people. Grant Farm, CD release with the Andy Sido Band, and uh, perhaps special guests to be announced at Globe Hall, June 8th. Globe Hall. Hit us up for pre-sale tickets. While they're still available. It's almost sold out, so get on it. Yeah, after I get rid of my 75 tickets. <clears throat> yeah, they're already spoken for. Good. I'm going to buy 60 of them. I love it. Um. So Grand Farm, yeah. Grand yep. Farm, I mean, it's been the, the biggest period of musical growth for me, aside from when I was in school, I feel. It's totally thrown into the. I mean, all th- all the guys are amazing musicians. Everyone's really into it, and dedicated, and inspired, and it's been a, a really great experience. Is it before you entered the band? If you could have started your own group, would it have had these musical influences? Nah, that's. But th- this is what you're doing, and, and yeah. do you love it? I mean, it? in a lot of ways, you know, like, I really already loved, like, bluegrass and the whole thing, and I don't want to be misleading because Grand Farm is not a bluegrass band, although it started as one. Mm-hmm. But Tyler, you know, I mean, he won the National Flat Picking Championship in 09, and he's, like, deep-rooted in the bluegrass scene. And he's the founder of the band, as you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that's where all of those influences come from in the grant farm anyways the whole bluegrass thing but we've we've definitely gone more in like the psychedelic rock direction yeah but those bluegrass roots are always going to be there right mixed in uh hence the term cosmic americana cosmic americana which is the marrying of the two i love it did you guys coin that 
I'm going to say yes, even though I'm not 100% sure well, about that. What's the coolest genre I've ever heard? I saw someone else's poster with Cosmic Americana on it. They probably But they, they stole it from us. For sure. They, they clearly did. stole it from us. For sure they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I joined the band right after, shortly after they recorded their EP with Fruition, I think. Mm. And they put out Plowing Time like a year prior and just playing all those songs and then uh and then we started moving towards the Kiss the Ground album which we released in 2016 which that was a, a great experience recording with them and doing that whole thing. Yeah. Um but now we have Broken 2 coming out and this I think is like the culmination of the past four and a half years of the band. You feel strongly about this record. I feel very strongly about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm extremely proud of what we've put together and what we've done that's great no i think it's the best um project of this type that i've ever been a part of yeah so you feel you just feel like it's where you want to be it's where i want to be man i love it yeah i love it what are some of the struggles of what are some of the struggles you guys have had as a band uh, you know, I mean, you you know. You don't have f- to talk about Ace's bo or anything. I'm not trying to get any. <laughs> not try- <laughs> well, I'm not mean, trying I to pull anything out here. I can stand any of these guys, so it's been a real grind. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, in in that aspect, we're really lucky. We got four guys that get along really well, and uh, for the most part, are on the same page on most things. Yeah. But because uh, you know, you're living on top of each other on the road. You know how it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, shit, you guys are in a an outback on That's the road. Subaru outback. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. I can escape back into the landfill of the van for a while, but in the outback, like you guys are just on top of each other no matter what. So yeah. That I'm sure that has to be interesting. <laughs> what's uh what's the longest you guys have been on the road? Uh maybe th- three weeks, I think. We're gonna do mm-hmm. a month in July. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the real test, man. Yeah, it's that extra week. That's the longest we did was a month. And, uh, yeah, once you get through week three, it's like, I feel like it starts getting a lot quieter because people get so much more fed up with each other. Yeah. That you just decide to just keep it inside instead of saying anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it matters who you are or how well you get along. If you're living in a van with someone for a month, by the end of it, you, you guys are going to start pissing each other off. Right. That's just how it goes. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, but that's that's tour life, you know, until we get our uh, our tour bus with our bunk beds and everything. You can really escape. Yeah, that's what we're doing. But, uh, but, but for the most part, it's great. You know, we love spending time with each other. We're a family, not just a band. Yeah. Some of the struggles, I would say, is is just, you know, we're at a point where there's great gigs and there's still, like, really not great gigs. Right. Getting through those and, and keeping the morale up, I think, is the, the hardest part. Yeah. And on a bad gig. I mean, or on not a bad gig, but a, you know, yeah, you're yeah, doing... You're playing a, a dive for, like, ten people or something, it can be kind of hard on you sometimes. You, got, you guys are at the level where... You can play a major festival or open for somebody at Red Rocks and then and then play a dive bar somewhere the next night. 
it still happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. And you know, like the average gig has definitely gone up and up and up over the years, but yeah, you still have you're still gonna have those ones, man. Especially when you're breaking into new markets and stuff like that. Right. That's just how it goes. So, I think that's the hardest part of doing this thing. Do you notice fans increasing in all the towns you're playing in? Are there some towns where it's still just really hit and miss that you've done six or eight times? Are there some towns that you've really seen grown where now you're a headline act where you can bring, even if it's just 50 people, right, where you know you're going to bring people? Yeah. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. There's there's certain areas we go to that I I feel confident and I'm excited to go back because it almost always does well. Yeah. Um, certain areas where it just never does like Seattle. We've just never been able to crack the Seattle thing. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know. It's just a huge town. I think there's a lot of factors, but we really just need to link up with someone who does like really well there and, and play with them. That's the whole name of the yeah, game. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the dream is just, well, that's how you get. That's how a band gets broken. You know, that's how. That's why it'd be so great to be on some huge label where they could just throw us on a tour, opening up for this huge band. We play in front of two thousand people every night and didn't have to bring anyone. Right. Absolutely. Or like when I mean, you know, surely we brought a bunch of people, but not compared to Cheese when we were at Red Rocks and we're sitting there playing in front of eight thousand people by the end of our set. That was so cool. That was wild. You open for string that's cheese at Red Rocks, man, on yeah, Sunday. That's on a Sunday. On a Sunday. Best Sunday of my life. Yeah. Mine too, I think. I was so stoked for you guys. That was <laughs> awesome. That was wild, man. Uh, I've dreamed about that for a long time. Oh, man. How cool. And finally being on that end of it, of the Red Rocks experience, you know. So yeah. How many times have you gone in there during the day and stood on the stage and, like, imagined the the stands filled with people. I uh it's 5 miles if you run across all the roads up and down and I've done that countless times as I bitterly look down at the stage as it gets further and further away. <laughs> <laughs> See, the only reason that I've ran the stairs at Red Rocks was because they were almost out of jalapeno cream cheese stuffed pretzels at the top. Ah, that would do it. That's why I ran the that stairs. That would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys have done some cool things. I mean, I know the Red Rock show is a huge highlight. What's yeah. some other stuff that's been the big highlight for you? Uh man, you know, we just played Big Sky Big Grass and it was awesome. It was it was so much fun, man. That was it was the first gig of the tour and it was like the best way to start a tour ever. How many people? It's not a huge festival. I mean, we just played their their bar uh, Montana Jacks. I think is what it's called, but it was it was jamming and it was there was so much energy and everyone was stoked. It was like bluegrass festival all weekend. So I think that's one of the things we're best at is like breaking up the bluegrass at a bluegrass festival and bringing like the rocking show. Well, you know what that everyone's kind of itching for after just listening to acoustic music you, for two days. You have to. And my my dad, when I was in high school, took me to Rocky Grass one year in Lyons. And uh, just because we thought of what the hell, let's go check it out. And I remember by day three, at one point, he looked at me and he goes, damn it, they're all great musicians, but I'm sick of this. <laughs> <You know>? Because <laughs> it was band after band, and he wanted it broken up, and, and so did I. Yeah. 
but he wor- he worded it just right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry, where was this? Rocky grass. Oh, Rocky Lions. grass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you need and that's the, all like traditional bluegrass. Yeah, right? and uh, but you guys are uh, without being a bluegrass band and not being labeled a bluegrass band, you guys are definitely a perfect band to break up the bluegrass at a bluegrass festival. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly a bluegrass crowd will still be into what we're doing. Right. Exactly. Because there's so much crossover. And so but it's also like this nice release of like, all right, like some something a little more something like little rocking more. and like. Well, that's why you guys are tough to define too, because so would a blues crowd. Uh, uh, playing with jam bands, you know, they they would love you. An Americana crowd would yeah. too. It's I mean, very the cheese crowd seemed to love what we did. Absolutely. It's a it's a it's a genre that's tough to define and it's tough to put into a box. And maybe that's been maybe that's part of the trouble with promotion too, right? Yeah, you fit in a lot of places. Well, I, I don't know, everyone wants you to pigeonhole yourself into this genre, but I don't know. I don't want to. We don't want to. Yeah, we're not. We're not just playing one genre. We're just playing. We're playing our music. Call it what you want. I don't know. Good songs. Hmm. Maybe that's the genre. <laughs> good, good songs, man. Good songs. I had something else I was going to ask you, and I feel like it was just absolutely pertinent, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. You're one of the. Member. You're one of the. What'd you say? Oh, member. 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 You're one of the bands, and I'm in this boat too. That's still somewhat on the album cycle. A lot of people are going to that mm. consistent content all the time. Yeah, man. And maybe they're using Patreon. Maybe they're putting out a video every week. Maybe they're doing a, a podcast. Maybe they're putting out a single once a month. Um, it kind of seems like the new trend. Yeah. And you guys are, are, are still, it, it seems to be on, on the album cycle, which it, to me, and we're doing that too, is very much, fi- you know, the fighting the good fight, you know, but but the industry's changing and things are things are changing. What, do you, what are your thoughts on, on how you guys have been going about your promotional efforts and the way you guys are releasing and things like that? I mean, you, this is a conversation that we've, we've had, uh, I think I was just talking with Ace about this because, like, the, the, our buddies, the Drunken Hearts, they're doing this thing. They keep putting out, like, singles. Yeah. There's a lot of bands that just keep... I kind of wonder, like, is that a more effective technique these days? Maybe it is, man. I mean, we have, uh, we have like, a handful of B-sides recorded from Kiss the Ground that nobody's ever heard. I'm kind of thinking maybe we mix those and master them and start putting out some singles. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, something I thought about, but it's it's so hard to let go of the concept of the album. Like, it's like this romantic thing that I just love so much. Yeah. And there's something so special and always has been my whole life about listening to an album that is just great from start to finish. And it all, like, goes, it leads one into the next. You know how it is when you hear a song and it ends and you're already singing the next one from the album in your head yeah right yeah like that's the that's the shit i love and i don't want to let go of that right even though all these young millennials just listen to singles on spotify but maybe it's something we're gonna have to do i don't know i'm a young millennial yeah no. <laughs> are are I'm you a, i'm 
Yeah. You're well, an old millennial. Well, <laughs> I'm. At, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Wait. No, no. What's the cutoff? No, man? no. I'm close what to is the, the cutoff. Cutoff's in the 90s. I was born in 91. So, so when do millennials start? I'm a millennial. Are you like one but of the first millennials? And you're a millennial too. I, am I a millennial? Yeah, I think the millennials cut off shortly after I was born. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like a millennial. <laughs> No one wants to be a millennial. Damn that's it, I'm the, not a millennial. Uh, or maybe I am. Well, it's it's interesting the whole putting out an album, then you at, then we go tour on it for two years and put out another one. And like mm-hmm. I said, that's how my band's been doing things too. But you, I don't know. It, it's weird. I I don't I don't know. I mean, if, if you're doing nothing but putting out singles, then. You know, we have, like, underlying themes and, like, continuing storylines and character building and, like, all these things in our songs over the past couple albums. And if you're doing nothing but putting out singles, then all of that gets thrown out the window, I think. Right. Well, and somebody might take that concept, and it might be a continuing storyline throughout 24 months, and stay tuned for the next episode on the first Thursday of every month to find out what happens next. I don't know. I guess Um, so. But the other thing I'm noticing, too, every, it, it, people are going to singles, but I'm also noticing that singles aren't getting as much press as full albums, right? Full albums are getting all this press, whereas singles, you, you listen to the song, and then you go do what's next, right? Right. Um, listen to the next single on the playlist. Yeah, you listen to the next single on the playlist. Does that mean one's better than the other? Does that mean three or four song EPs are best? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, man. I think... I think maybe the thing to do is is uh, find the balance and do both. Yeah. Release a full album every couple of years and then uh, release X amount of singles in between. Sure. Or a couple of short EPs or whatever. I'm starting to hear about studios too that are working out deals with bands where they they have, they record with them one or two days a month and they'll videotape it and do the whole thing and maybe say it's a thousand bucks a month and they'll give you, the studio will give you a full track, audio, video, and you have one day a month where you're always in there. And people, I don't know, people are doing content that way too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, shit. Well, shit. <laughs> well, well, shit, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. We're going to keep looking for it, though. Yeah, yeah if you find it. Uh, I live four steps away from you. Please send it downstairs <laughs> sure, through yeah. the vent. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a golden envelope. What's uh? It's it, gonna cost you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'll pay. I'll pay for the postage. Rent's gonna go up a couple hundred bucks that month. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a couple hundred bucks, I I will pay you cash right now. Mm-hmm, all right. Yeah. Is there anything, anything else you want to talk about? What's next for the farm? What's next for you? Uh, you know, for the farm, I don't, we're just, we're, we're pretty much just putting everything we got into this, man. I mean, gearing up for the release. Uh, we just had our music video just dropped last week for Morning Train, our single. And we got our, our Relics premiere of that music video, which is cool. I'll, I'll link the video in the bio of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, link it, man. Spread the good word. Yes, sir. But uh, but yeah, we're really just we're just putting everything we have into this album and gearing up to tour behind it all summer. Um, you know, I mean, we did just over a hundred dates last year. We're shooting for more like a hundred and fifty this year. Wow. We'll see if we hit that or not. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, really, just 
just trying to get after it and, and just make this thing happen. And in my experience, where we're at now as a band is better than it's ever been. The songs are better than they've ever been. The The whole thing is great. We just need to get in front of people. Yeah. And that's the name of the game. I feel like something's about to hit. I feel it. It's it's, it's, uh, it's brewing, man. It's brewing. It's, it's like getting closer and closer, and then it's just gonna, someone's going to drop the Mentos into the Pepsi 2 liter pretty soon. I love it. Yeah. My last question for you is, is there ever a point where you guys would call it quits as the band? Is there a, if this record doesn't hit, if the next record doesn't hit, or are you guys just going to just keep on trucking and see what happens? You know, I mean, uh, it, that is hard to say, man. It's hard to answer that question. I think for every person in the band, the answer to that is probably a little different. But uh, but as of right now, we're all fully invested, and we all really believe in it, and we're really stoked for where it is heading and excited to see what happens. Um, you know, Can I continue doing things exactly at the level we're doing right now the rest of my life? No, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Just to be honest, but... Uh, but I don't think I'd have to. Things have been steadily growing the whole time I've been in the band, and they're going to keep going that way, and they still are. So as long as that's the case, I'm in, baby. I love it. <laughs> Let's stop it right there. Let's do it. Kevin McHugh, my roommate, my homeboy. So don't you know. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Appreciate you. Dude, thanks for having me on. Cheers. All right. That was a lot of fun. Great having my BFF. Kevin on. Thanks for doing the show, buddy. His band, The Grant Farm, has their new album, which is being released June 14th. It's called Broken 2, and they'll be touring on it all summer long. If you want to get it early or get a hard copy, you can show up at the Fox Theater in Boulder on May 31st, or you can show up at Globe Hall June 8th in Denver and pick up a copy there. We're going to End this episode by playing their first single off the album, Morning Train. I want to say a quick thanks to Patrick at PQ Mastering. Uh, Patrick puts the finishing touches on this episode, and for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com to chat with him further. He does a great job on this podcast. Anybody needs any mastering, go talk to Patrick. All right, that's all. Until next time, thanks for listening. Oh,
behind.